0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Extra Point Podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 29th. My name is Todd Stiles, I'm one of the pastors at First Family Church in Ankeny. And what we do most every Tuesday here on the Extra Point Podcast is bring some extra insight, additional observation, or further application from the text um, in which we preached on the previous Sunday. This Tuesday, however, today, we're going to be doing something a little different. Um, I said, I think, sometime earlier in the year, maybe even last year, that we would, every few months, take a look at one of the songs that uh, we sang the previous week and bring some uh, insight into the lyrics of that song, um, ideally helping us all appreciate uh, what we're singing and not just hearing the sound only. And I am especially um, a fan of the song, God of Abraham. I really enjoy that song. It's a song we sang Sunday. And while I'll not review all the lyrics for you, I would invite you, if you want to hear it, go to our YouTube channel. You can catch our full services there. I was so moved and am moved every time by the bridge in that song. The words are pretty uh, simple. They're repetitive on purpose to add emphasis and to keep us thinking. But the words are these, I know you'll never let go of me. And here's why I think that song is so beautiful, because um, that refrain echoes the song's emphasis on God's faithfulness through the ages Uh, across time into eternity, the consistency and dependability of God. um, That song emphasizes that, and that refrain reminds us who it is that's holding on to whom. And let us be clear at this point, it is God holding on to us. The song really um, rings the bell of Jude 24 and 25, which is one of my favorite verses as well. Uh, Here are these verses, Uh, Jude writes this, Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in his presence um, without blemish, with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, to him be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Jude here is saying it is God who holds unto us, who keeps us from falling, who makes us stand, who brings us all the way safely home. It is God doing the work of preserving us, of holding on to us. And that's why I love that song so much, because it rightly and correctly emphasizes the appropriate one who's doing the holding. It is God. Now, that does not mean that there isn't a sense in which we hold fast to our confession of faith. That's an actual quote from Scripture. And there are other verses, especially in Hebrews, that talk about uh, standing firm, holding fast, not moving. And so I'm in no way suggesting that there's not a response on our part to hold fast, to hold firmly. But let's be clear and let's be rejoicingly clear that the one doing the action of holding on to us so that we in turn hold on to him is our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is holding on to us first and foremost. In fact, if he weren't holding on to us, we would let go of him. I'm reminded also of how Jesus put this in the book of John when he talked about those who would come to him, that the Father would never cast them out, that no one is able to pluck them from his hand. And so the sense of the metaphor there in John is that the Father is the one with the grip. God is the one with the secure hold on his people. And he's the one who will never let us fall. He's the one who will never let us slip. And I think it's very healthy, spiritually speaking, to make sure that our focus is always on God's first and foremost action of holding on to His children, making sure they don't fall, that they are protected, and make it all the way safely home. That's why I love the song God of Abraham so much and love singing it with our church family, especially in that bridge. Where we say together in, with passion, I know He'll never let go. He'll never let go of me. In closing, let me also address a, a question that came in in response to Sunday's message. Um, and I want to admit at the outset of this that I think I was less clear at the 1030 service than I was the 830 service Both of these questions did come in from that service, and I want to address that issue and provide the maximum amount of clarity regarding this. I mentioned that as believers, you know, we want to agree together in the Lord. That was Paul's admonition in Philippians 4-2 to the two ladies there. And, And I answered this obvious question that what if in those efforts to agree in the Lord, you still find yourself at times with a gap between your viewpoints? And I was talking about specific issues that aren't, um, you know, essential. I was talking about relationships within the church in environments where there are more than, you know, let's say one or two people. I don't think I clearly communicated that at 1030. I think at 830 it was pretty um, well established. And so these questions are pertaining to environments in which um, there is this gap in viewpoints and in agreement, even though you've tried to find agreement in the Lord. And I said that the answer in those moments must come down to the biblical principle of following your leaders. Well, that line without the background that we're talking about the fellowship of believers in the church, about non-essential issues and about environments and, and you know, settings where there there is identified leadership and and they're structured in such a way as to help lead the body. I think I, I didn't clearly bring that to the surface. So it sounded like perhaps we're saying that anytime there's a disagreement and you can't really find a level of unity that will help just follow the leader. And some folks begin to ask me, well, who is a leader? And what environment are you are you speaking of? In fact, one person asked me that exact question. Well, who is a leader? Another person asked this question in this way in regards to the concept of following the leader, are you referring exclusively to believers who fellowship together in a local church body? Uh, Are you referring to believers who are friends with one another but attend different churches? Uh, What would it look like to follow a leader in those kinds of situations? And so I think this is a very helpful question and it's an opportunity for me to bring more clarity. I'm speaking of situations in a local body where there are elders and where the elders have given authority to Uh, You know, other uh, ministry teams and other leaders, deacons, staff, small group shepherds, so forth, you know, where there's kind of a structure of how things operate, how care is given, how decisions are made. I'm speaking of those kinds of environments in a local church, much like in Philippians. I'm not speaking of just friendships in general. I'm not speaking of uh, people who relate from different churches, or I'm not speaking of employment situations. I think there are answers there in regards to what you do when there is disagreement. But that's not what the text is referring to. And I don't want to be vague here or, or perhaps, uh, you know, provide answers that I think the text is not addressed. I'm speaking, when I say follow the leader, of how you can still maintain unity even when there is a certain level of disagreement. When you've worked hard to agree in the Lord, but you still find a gap in your viewpoints, and your perspectives, and you're not sure how to navigate the gap. You, so you simply don't agree. When that occurs in a local church, and more than you know, two are involved, let's say, or even if two are involved and they're in a small group or part of a ministry team or in the church in general, I think the biblical answer is to follow the leader. Someone has to make a call, and then that call gets humbly communicated, and then those who hear it, Need to humbly follow their leaders, and so it's sometimes hard to hear in our culture where you know independence and um, uh, autonomy is so highly prized. Where individualism it seems it seems like it's the you know the, the thing that you have to protect at all costs. I would say that the humility to follow the leader is a wonderful trait, and you can often find uh, the mature ones in a body. Because you can see who, even in times of disagreement, and these are all non-gospel issues, these are on preference matters, the people who can still say, I don't quite see it that way, or I wish it hadn't gone that way, I don't think that's the best decision, but it's not my call to make, and I'll humbly follow anyway. I think those are the mature people. And I think the Bible lays that out for us, that often that is the hardest thing to do. In fact, I've said this before, I said it Sunday, and I've said it for years Often following is harder than leading. And so to answer these questions, to bring the most amount of clarity, to, to make sure that we've kind of, uh, you know, wiped the surface clean from maybe any kind of ten thirty confusion, just know that I was speaking in regards to environments in the local church in which there is a body of elders and they have, I know, structured other systems and situations where there is proper authority, and so in those times when there just isn't uh, an ability to reach you know, exact or perfect harmony and agreement, often then we have to ask our leaders or the leader, what should we do? And in that case, once they communicate the best decision for the body at large, we have to have the humility to follow the leader. That's one of the ways we continue to fight for the joy of each other, and live in the joy of gospel partnership, which is really the overarching theme of Philippians. So just some further insight there on those questions. It did relate to a specific context. My apologies for not being ultra clear at 1030. Uh, if you'd like to hear the perhaps message in its better uh, uh, clarity, go to the 830 service on our podcast uh, or on our YouTube channel. You'll able to hear it there, and perhaps it will even bring further clarity. Thanks for listening today, and I hope to catch you again next week on the Extra Point Podcast.